It is Free Talk Live from Fork Fest 2022 here in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. It's actually the sixth annual Fork Fest, and it's an absolutely beautiful day. A little chilly for you know this part of the day, but I mean that's sort of normal here. We are up here in the mountains of New Hampshire, so you don't get much further north in the United States, in the continental United States, than this. I mean, sure there are some places in Maine, but generally we're we're on up there, and it does get a little bit chilly. Like last night, I was surprised by how chilly it got, considering we had, it's we like... We had the fire going, and I, I must say, boy, I think I'm hungover, but uh, we had the fire going, and I didn't realize how chilly it got until I left to, you know, relieve myself of the pressures of everyday life. Sure. And uh, I retur- by the time I returned, I was, like, shivering. I believe it, yeah. yeah. I didn't think I was going to need my hoodie again this year, because it, it's almost July, Right. But no. well, right now, it's perfect for me. I mean, this is, you know, maybe we're at 70 or something, yeah, partly cloudy. There's a nice breeze. Whereas it, last night, you're playing the uh, bake your shins game. <laughs> do I fry the, the hairs on my shins or do I freeze in the cold? Yeah. So, interesting news today. Anthony Fauci says that he's experienced rebound COVID symptoms after taking Pfizer's antiviral Paxlovid, which studies now show is not effective for people who are vaccinated. And for the, wow. the, more, need, the more this guy's alive, the more of a dumbass he's revealed to be. Matt, there's some weird stuff going on here. I did not realize he's 81 years old. Yeah. He looks like he might be 58 or 59 years old. You so think he's a, it's got to be the adrenochrome or something. I don't know what's going on. Is he but doing I know, like the hyperbaric age chambers? No, I think it's... He's got got access to the best adrenochrome on Earth. You got that good Chinese adrenochrome from all the money that he's sending into their uh, Wuhan labs. I mean, primo stuff. He has a Tempur-Pedic cryogenic bed. I don't know what's going on with him, but I I know what 80-year-olds look like. And they don't look like 58-year-olds. He's kept alive by the power of the dark side of the force, you know. And that dude looks like a mouse. He does. He is a he looks, bit mousy. He's got a mousy-looking demeanor to him, and but like Nancy Pelosi is also in her eighties. Where are the wrinkles on these people? Where, like my eighty-year-old grandmother, looks like she could die at any minute. Say, I'd say, say Nancy from, Pelosi looks about the same as far as that goes. I don't. I mean, she I certainly mean, she's does a wrinkle with teeth, honestly. <laughs> so, Doctor Fauci has tested positive for COVID nineteen, despite you know. Certainly being vaccinated against COVID-19 and boosted against COVID-19. I don't know how many booster shots he's had, but it's more than, it's at least one. I would speculate he's probably had two or three at this point, or he's lying about the entire thing. No, I, I don't know. I don't trust Dr. Fauci. But it is, he, it's one of those, like, when, when they gave the injection to Joe Biden on live television, it's like, there's no chance that that's actually the injection. I mean, you wouldn't want to risk that. I mean, there is a small, small proportion that immediately has a negative effect to, to these things, and you could not possibly risk that. So yeah, There was a reason you had to wait for, like, half an hour after getting the, you know, your shots yeah. at the vaccination places. Right? But so, the, according to Pfizer's own data... The drug is limited in its abilities to fight COVID-19 in a vaccinated person. So, like, it was, the science was settled as far as Paxlovid goes, and it's not effective against, you know, people, in people who are vaccinated already. And if it's not effective, it doesn't sound safe either. <laughs> it doesn't sound safe because the warning noted that none of the reported rebound cases saw patients suffer a severe case of COVID-19, though Fauci described his symptoms as much worse. So here's what happened. He tested positive for COVID-19. 
He started taking Paxlovid. Three days later, he tested negative. On day four, he tested positive huh. again, because why not? And his symptoms were significantly worse at that point. At the same conference where he announced the rebound, Fauci called for an aggressive national vaccine campaign, despite being vaccinated and still getting COVID-19 and evidently still getting fairly severe symptoms. I'm, I'm well, with that kind of reliable testing, can you blame him? I'm not willing to be the guinea pig for this, but I, I sure would like to see like a medical side-by-side of somebody like Fauci, you know, assuming he's been vaccinated the three or whatever, you know, quantity of times, plus then taking this other antiviral drug against somebody like me who just got COVID, got over it, and has never been vaccinated for it at all. In fact, uh, isn't on any medical drugs of any kind uh, as far as prescriptions are concerned. So I would like to see, like, what's the biological difference between those two? Certainly. I mean, COVID-19 was the last time that I was sick, and that was, you know, in late March of 2021. And the only symptoms I really had, other than the loss of smell and taste, which was total, and it's something I will never forget in its totality. But other than that, I was tired and sore for like a day. And then I was right back to normal. differently than it hit me. I had... I had classic flu symptoms, but not in the same order as the classic flu. Like, mm-hmm. normally, when I get the flu, it starts out with, like, the sniffles, and then it kind of goes into my lungs, and I cough a bunch, and then I'll get the fever and the sweats, and then I might feel nauseous, and then I'll bust a sweat, you know, break the fever, and then get over it. When I had the COVID, symptoms were out of order. I had the, the chills and the sweats first, hmm. right? And then I had the aches and pains then I had the runny nose and the cough, right? So it was this weird progression of symptoms out of order from the regular flu. See, I didn't have any of that, and I wouldn't have even known I was sick if it wasn't for the loss of taste and smell. I mean, that, that was what clued me in that something was wrong. Yep. And for a day, I was more tired and more sore than usual. But at the same time, that, that particular period, I was you know doing Free Talk Live five nights a week and still working 55 hours at my main job. So it's completely understandable that on this random Friday, I would be more tired and sore than normal. Right. I wouldn't have thought anything about it except for the fact that that was the first time in my employment at that place in more than three years that I I went home early because I didn't feel well. So I did not feel well. Yeah. But the next day I felt just fine other than not being able to smell or taste. I remember cracking a joke prior to getting COVID-19 that if you get if you lose your sense of smell and taste because of COVID, go eat at Local Burger, which is a local burger spot in Keene. <laughs> because the, the taste of their food is so potent that you will burp it up for hours after eating it. Local burper? Yes. <laughs> and I was convinced that if anything could restore my sense of smell and taste, that would be it. Didn't work, did it? It didn't. And it was, <laughs> it was shocking. I will never forget the, the eerie and weird experience of not being able to smell or taste. It really screwed me up as a smoker. Yeah. And I, didn't, yeah, I didn't realize at the time how much of my, my body's cues about my nicotine levels comes from how much smoke I you know, have aftertaste in my mouth. So I would put out a cigarette and then immediately feel like I wanted another one just because I didn't have those. I don't, I don't taste ashtray yet. Right. Well, I obviously need another one. No, it's really, really bizarre. It's like, because usually like, okay, you lose your sense of smell in a normal way. You know, things get plugged up. But you've got like, you know, salty, sweet, all of that. No. 
Now, the only thing I could even, like, notice that I had eaten was from spice. If you put enough spice on something, you could feel the, the, the burn of it, and that's it. See, I didn't even experience that. Like, I was oh, drinking man. hot sauce during part of it because I, was, uh, I didn't taste it anyway, right? You're just cracking open a bottle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I was just doing it as, like as a sideshow, right? I mean, it was amusing to me that hey, I man, just... Hey, man, you want to do some shots at the basket? Hey, nerve right? damage. Watch this. <laughs> But none of that. Well, I mean, ordinary Tabasco is not going to uh, even get noticed oh, by my tongue even when I'm not person. sick. But yeah, I mean, when I'm used to you know having my sense of smell and taste be altered a bit when I'm sick with the flu or something like that. This wasn't that. This was its distinct own thing, and it sucked. Yeah, that, that's why when they came out with, oh, it's just like that, except for the defining feature. It's like, so you're talking about a cold, because that is a very very thick line between. Any kind of normal sickness and suddenly losing all of your ability to smell and taste. What I had, I would not describe as a cold. I would describe it as flu-like because, you know, I was definitely down and out for a good five days solid. Mark was also down for quite a while. But, I mean, Mark is pestilence these days, so (laughs) that's not overly surprising. I did stay away from everybody for the full two weeks. And, of course, you know, when you get over something like that, for me, because I was a smoker for so long, the symptoms in the lungs, the cough, the hack, you know, my voice quality suffered. So I probably wouldn't have been able to speak into the microphone for the full two weeks anyway, so... We're going to be making fun of Dr. Fauci here in just a moment for taking Paxlovid, which isn't effective in people who have been vaccinated, but he took it anyway because the science doesn't matter. It's all a system of religious beliefs anyway, and he's the priest, so he says what the religious beliefs are. There's more coming up here. It is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live from ForkFest 2022 here in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. ForkFest goes on until July the 3rd, so you can still come out and hang out with us. That's ForkFest.party. If you want to learn more about it, it's decentralized. No one is in charge, so everyone is in charge. If you want to have an event or something like that, well, you have to put it together. We're not going to put it together for you. That's ForkFest.party. We are here at Rogers Campground in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire, making fun of Anthony Fauci, who, 81 years old, and I can I can understand why an 81 year old would want to be vaccinated against you know even the flu right I get that but my issue okay. with all of this was that COVID 19 clearly is about like the flu and it's not going to kill people who are, you know 30 years old the vaccine however seems to Fauci well hold on Paxlovid let me back up for those who don't know Paxlovid is an antiviral drug produced by Pfizer. That is supposed to help one combat a COVID-19 infection. Is that why it rhymes with COVID? I presume so. Because I think that's the dumbest thing, that it rhymes with COVID. Oh, well, how about and comernity? Packs And what? Comernity. Comernity? Yeah, that's the that's official name of their weird. vaccine. Oh. Or that, that could be the, uh, the Moderna one. One of them is called co-comernity. I don't know co- how these people select their names. Like, I don't even know how to say bio, BioNTech? BioNTech? I say BioNTech. Yeah, me too. Are you sure? No, I'm no. not. See? I, that's just what I say. Poor name selection. Absolutely. So that's... That's Paxlovid. It was anointed as America's silver bullet against COVID-19 by some health officials and even President Joe Biden because, you know, 
it's common for health officials to talk about silver bullets against vaccines. That's not weird at all. Mm. It may not have effectiveness for people who are already vaccinated, according to its manufacturer Pfizer's own data. Fauci, 81, broke the news while speaking remotely at the Foreign Policy Global Health Forum. Earlier this month, Fauci tested positive for the virus with mild symptoms, including fatigue, which is the only symptom that I really had other than, excuse me, Osria is like assaulting <laughs> Captain over there. Osria is my dog, for those who don't know. She's just like flipping out She's all over. She's doing what can only be described as wallowing. Yeah, <laughs> in the grass. In the, she she yeah. detects something in the grass and she is wants rubbing it. her body all over it as <laughs> aggressively as possible. So fatigue is the only symptom I got when I had COVID-19, other than they said so lost, uh, they lost it, so smell and taste. As Fauci's symptoms grew worse, slightly worse, he began a five-day course of Paxlovid, because it's a five-day course, apparently. I wish one of the symptoms was loss of Fauci. <laughs> well, if COVID was as deadly as people suggested, it would be, right? Following that course, Fauci said that he tested negative for the virus three days in a row. So this dude tested himself for the virus three days. How unscientific is that? You, you, you have this sickness... So you start taking an antiviral med, and the next day, you test yourself for the virus? I, as the science, I have a very strong immune system. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> he decided to test again on the fourth day, four days in a row, testing himself for COVID-19. The result came back positive. So I'm surprised that on the second or the first day of taking uh, Paxlovid, he did not test positive. But on the fourth day, he did. In May, the Centers for Disease Control issued a formal warning regarding a COVID-19 rebound as a result of a course of Paxlovid. So, uh, Paxlovid apparently can make COVID-19 rebound in, in you, where you thought you were getting better, and then you start taking this, this antiviral that's supposed to, you know, help you defeat COVID-19. Yeah. And instead, COVID nineteen gets worse. Well, that that's where good we're for at. Your health. Yeah, that's where we're at in the medical industry. Here is that this thing, it makes COVID worse in people. It resurges COVID in people, and that's the treatment that doctors and you know Fauci are recommending for COVID nineteen. I remember when we used to pretend that things had to make you better for them to get approved and purchased. It but is these crazy. Days. To me. I was reminded in conversation last night here at Forkfest around the campfire of uh, the term cult of personality and i'm thinking mr fauci you qualify oh yeah certainly the agency said that some patients who were prescribed paxlovid suffered a recurrence of symptoms or tested positive for covid-19 between 2 and 8 days after recovery the cdc so some percentage of people who were you know in the sample group that tested covid uh, paxlovid for the government or for pfizer or whatever some of them had symptoms get worse some of them had a resub resurgence of symptoms and yet this drug still made it to market <laughs> i'm your doctor you come in i'm like okay so i want you to take these will they help doc uh, they might not in fact <laughs> they might make you worse but i want you to take them anyway yeah, like, what is the chance here? Uh, like, is it a 98% chance of it making you better and a 2% chance of making you worse? Because at that point, I think I would just take my chances, you know, even if Why it is only... Why don't we just skip to the end where they force us all to get infected with whatever disease it is? 
Well, see, that's what I ended up doing, and I haven't been sick since. <laughs> the, I didn't. I, I don't know if I got the Delta. I don't even know that I had COVID nineteen, except for the sense of loss, the lost sense of smell and yeah. taste that lasted for like seven weeks. It lasted an unusually long time for me. Well, and I'm I'm in the same boat. I did not get tested for it when I was sick. However, I don't trust any test because they haven't isolated the thing. And so how do I know that, you know, whatever result you're giving me is actually for this thing that I supposedly have? Yeah, it's Certainly. Like, Wait a second. Is this the test that a pawpaw fruit also tests positive on? Yeah, like or a glass of water tested test. positive for like. Yeah, so, I mean, it's def- the, the, the pieces of information that stick out to me are absolutely the loss of smell and taste completely is uh, like nothing I've ever experienced before. Yeah, it's unique. And and that definitely happened while they're talking about this, you know, terrifying virus whose numbers are not all that terrifying. Yeah. That- so I assume that that's what caused it, and that that's a, a novel virus because I've certainly never had that before. Yeah, but- I had never experienced anything like that before. Again, being sick is one thing, and having it, you know, screw with your sense of smell and taste is one thing. But this is a this is a total loss. Right. And that that is the key feature of COVID-19. The CDC announcement said that there was not enough data to make a conclusion on the cause for the rebound of COVID-19 symptoms. The agency noted that none of the reported rebound cases saw patients suffer a severe recurrence. None of them except Dr. Fauci, apparently. In his announcement about his COVID rebound, Fauci said his symptoms were, quote, much worse after he tested positive for the second time. So not only did Paxlovid drag out his fight with COVID-19, but it made him sicker. Doesn't this Dis- illustrate the fact that, you know, the vaccines don't work? I mean, isn't this like a large illustration? Not only do they not work, but... To the logical a- person... It appears to make it worse. To well, the logical I'm- person, certainly it's evidence that the vaccines don't work. But well, the way you- they spin this is they say, well, I would have died if I wasn't vaccinated, or it would have been worse... It's just a religious belief. Well, you know, if they hadn't been triple boosted, they'd have come back as zombies. Right? I mean, that's... Because it's always, no matter what, it's worse if you weren't vac- vaccinated. So if they're dead, man, it's a good thing they were they had the shot. That is the case that they seem to be making. So, I mean, it doesn't matter whether or not, you know, they... they logic suggests he probably would have been just fine despite not being vaccinated as all of us were but there is more coming up here from fork fest 2022 you can come hang out with us that's at rogers campground check out the website at fork fest the unofficial website at forkfest.party it is free talk live Do you feel like your country no longer holds your values? Have you dreamt of a place where liberty-minded people can come together and leave government overreach behind? There are many people just like you that are discovering FreePrivateCities.com. They start at FreePrivateCities.com and connect via the social media links shown there. All skills will be needed when the first of the Free Private Cities open. It's sooner than you think. Stop arguing and build FreePrivateCities.com. FreePrivateCities.com. It is Free Talk Live from Forkfest 2022 here at Rogers Campground in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. And I want to tell you about Bitcoin.com. 
If you don't already know about cryptocurrency and you want to get into it, head on over to Bitcoin.com. Learn about this technology before getting into it. Don't just go online and start buying it, not knowing what you're actually getting. Or worse, buying an Ethereum an, an Ethereum token that's called Bitcoin, because some of those exist like Bitcoin Silver and stuff like that. None of them are actually Bitcoin. Well, Bitcoin Silver you can't actually buy because it was a scam, to no surprise whatsoever. So Bitcoin.com is where you want to go to learn about it. That's the most trusted source for this sort of information. Click getting started at the top of the page and take a few minutes out of your day to learn about this important world-changing technology that's news. That's I'm sorry, that's Bitcoin.com. But if you do already know about Bitcoin, news.bitcoin.com will allow you to stay up to date on all of the news and headlines that are relevant to you, all on a sleek, easy-to-use modern website. That's news.bitcoin.com. With you today, it's Aria. Peakless Mountaineer. And the Lord Reverend Dr. Captain Kickass is here. And we're making fun of Dr. Fauci here and just the the insanity of COVID-19. According to a June 22nd University of California, San Diego School of Medicine study. Good Lord, why do they have to name their universities 14 words? It's to force you to use alliteration. I mean, clearly, they did a study, COVID-19 rebound symptoms after a course of COVID, of a Paxlovid, are caused because not enough of the drug was getting to infected cells to stop all viral replication. But Fauci was already getting better because that's what happens when you get sick, right? Unless you die. Yeah, I love how they're sidestepping. We have no idea why your symptoms got worse. (laughs) I have a theory as to why a person, not even necessarily in this case, but, oh, you were sick and you were getting better and now you're getting worse. I have a theory as to why possibly you might be getting worse. It could be that that... that you know, invasive species of of bacteria or uh, virus in this case is winning again. We've had a, a few. We were talking about it during the break. A sort of a review of how we make fun of Mr. Fauci, and it was uh, uh, the Fauci ouchie, right? the name for the shot. Yeah, uh, and then. Uh, uh, I call him Dr. Anthony Falsy for all the lies he's told. Sure. And what was the My other? My favorite is Dr. Anthony Fashy. Fashy, right. Yeah, that's the, probably the best one. So this study refers to this where the, the drug doesn't get to enough infected cells to stop all viral replication. I don't know. They call that a lack of exposure to the drug. I call that an ineffective drug, right? When I have you know some bacterial infection or something like that and I take penicillin, I, the, the penicillin is going to reach the infected cells and it's going to do its thing. If it didn't do its thing, people are like, okay, well, clearly it's not effective against that particular bacteria or whatever. However, in the case of Paxlova, there's like, oh, it's just a lack of exposure. It's not the drug not doing the one thing it's supposed to do. It's Our a lack product of is great. You should have taken more. But there's a really specific about, no, it's clearly not reaching your cells. Take more. Buy another dose. The day after the study was published, Pfizer, Pfizer published its phase two or three Paxlovid trial data because I, I don't know why they, I, I, I don't know why this drug can get to market without Pfizer publishing all of its data on the drug. Do we not have the right to be informed about the things that we're no. putting into our Someone bodies? hasn't been paying attention to our medical oppression. No, you know, we have no rights to know any of this information. They have all of the protections and we have no right to even sue them directly if we, you know, die from it. Well, that's that's true of the vaccines. I don't know if it's true of Paxlovid. I know, I know we can't sue Pfizer if you die from the vaccines or anything like that. They have 
full immunity or something to that effect. Well, it comes down to the protection will always be there for the corporation and not for the individual. It would protect the individual for us to know, okay, how did you test this thing? What were the results of your tests when you tested this thing? And who was measuring those and have they been paid off in the process? The data analyzed Paxlova's ability to prevent hospitalization or death depending on a person's vaccination status and individual risk profile. I'm very curious to see this because how do you how do you determine that Paxlovid prevented hospitalization or death? There's no way to prove that. It's just speculation. Yeah. We've decided that conjecture is equivalent to proof. That's exactly what they're saying here. And it's insane that it's, it's flying with the American public. It well, found because that- of my position. It found that a fully vaccinated person with little personal risk had little to gain from using the drug. Shocking. I just have this vision of, uh, you know, some sort of, you know, good guys eventually dragging Dr. Fasci off into the distance as he's screaming, I am the science! I am the science! Paxlovid is to be used by a COVID-positive person to limit symptoms and prevent them from being serious enough to require intense medical care. Wasn't that what they said the vaccine was supposed to do? Because Mm -hmm. it didn't prevent a person from getting COVID-19 or anything like that. Like... Sure didn't. Like the vaccines that I generally get against infections, they prevent me from getting those infections. COVID-19's vaccine, though, it works differently. It, it doesn't prevent infection. It prevents you from getting severe symptoms. Boy, they were sure claiming that it did for a good long time. It sure did. And then they changed it. Well, yeah, because it didn't prevent anyone from getting COVID-19. Just like they changed the uh, 14 days. Yes. Uh, you mean 14 days to lock down or 14 days... Before you could... I mean, both things they changed, so, I mean, E, all of the above. They did. In in America, it's six feet. That's social distancing, right? Yeah. But I, in the UK, if I remember correctly, it was one meter, which is closer it's to three, three feet, feet. Yeah. right? So it's completely arbitrary. It depends on where you're at in the world, apparently. Well, you Americans are too disobedient, so we had to double the distance. Let's not forget the traffic directing arrows that they painted on all of your freaking grocery stores. Oh, dude, I ignored those. Of like, course, it, but it like, was a rat maze. That's have you all, noticed that they went away right quick? Yeah, once the COVID-19 pandemic, quote, ended, I mean, no one announced that it ended, but like looking around, I mean, it ended in fall, uh, autumn of last year. I've seen a whole bunch of them... Uh, plexiglass walls between me and the cashier are no longer there in places that they put them up fresh and hired people Mm -hmm. to come in and construct new things to like i don't know because you're handing them your cash that's you know you've touched or whatever and they touch all your groceries so i'm sure that plexiglass did a lot to keep people safe certainly it was nice watching the sentiment change it's you could you could gauge very firmly okay this one believes it's temporary because that's made of tape Mm-hmm. And their plexiglass is not plexiglass. It's just a sheet of plastic. And as soon as it's like, oh, no, they believe this is permanent, you could see them like get special stickers printed out and in some cases actually painted on the floor. They're like, okay, society has changed. It has definitely been alarming to see that sort of thing, right? I know at the place I worked at, they, they just printed some stuff off and used tape to get the effect that they wanted. But there were other places that they, they like bought pre-printed stickers and stuff like that. It was very frustrating to watch it all play out. But then COVID-19 ended. And I remember uh, like the, I went to Louder Than Life last year, which, is a, which was a very large festival. I think there were 150,000 people uh, there at peak. I don't remember the exact number. But Sounds like a good gig. 
yeah, the person I was there with was had been vaccinated. You know, they they believed the media. One of the people I was there with, they believed the media narrative. And like looking around, it was clear most of the people there fall into that category of you know probably vaccinated. They believe the media narrative. They believe that you know COVID nineteen was deadly and all this stuff. And yet there they were at this music festival with one hundred and fifty thousand other people. <laughs> Because I, I'm convinced. I know this will kill me, but I love the jams. Well, after you know a year and a half ish of not having any live music whatsoever to really go to, what what I firmly believe happened was Americans just got sick of COVID nineteen. They just got sick of the pandemic, sick of the lockdowns, and they well, just went back to their lives. And they wouldn't have if it had been what they told us it was. Right. If yeah. this was this deadly plague that they all told us it was, we would not have gotten tired of living. And this should be a lesson to the general population that if you'd have just behaved in that way in the first frickin' place, we wouldn't have had to go through all the BS that we did. It would be nice if people had learned that lesson, but sadly, they didn't. When we get back, we're going to be talking about the five stages of totalitarianism. That's what's coming up here because uh, it, it progresses. You don't just arrive with a Hitler one day or some other you know, authoritarian leader. There is more coming up here from ForkFest. It is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live from Rogers Camp down in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. A beautiful day here, partly cloudy, but warm, breezy. It's a comfortable day. I want to say thank you to Kristen E., who was yesterday's amplifier. That means Kristen was a member of the AMPS program. You can find it at amps.freetalklive.com. And I just realized that I did not update the amplifier. So, Kristen E., thank you again. I thanked her last week, and I, you know, I'm here at Rogers Campground, so, you know, processing some of this stuff i usually do it for a few weeks in advance so that i don't have to do it while i'm here but last year or at some point we switched to a digital record keeping system so i i just do it on the fly because it's why not right Right, i got access to it right there and i don't have to print it out and take it with me but then you know i get here and i forget to do it so anyway we do have an apps program that's amps.freetalklive.com if you value the show if you like the ideas of liberty being on close to 200 radio stations Go to amps.freetalklive.com because that stands for Advertise, Market, Promote, and Support. And it's the best way to help Free Talk Live reach a larger audience. So to all of our amplifiers, I want to say thank you so much for your contributions. We're glad glad you enjoy the show. We've been making fun of Dr. Fauci, though. And that's that's related, I would think, to totalitarianism. Because for the last two and a half years or so, it's been... It's been it's lightened up a lot during the last year, but prior to that, it, we lived in this sort of totalitarian medical hellscape, where a, a rule by Dr. Fauci, like Donald Trump, I was surprised to learn from Jeffrey Tucker, could not have replaced Anthony Fauci, even if he had you know wanted. He did try to fire him apparently, yeah, and it was just beyond the purview of the president. That's another thing that got me about the January the sixth hearings yesterday, and I don't pay attention to them, but you know, I do make sure the show's going just fine. So I pulled up freetalklive.com and you know, uh, the news digest that we have going on there talked about how this Secret Service agent refused to take Donald Trump back to the Capitol building. He's like, but I'm the effing president. So okay, well, who are these people getting their orders from? It, right. If 
it's not the president? Like, uh, who, you would think, you know, the question. Secret Service would be beholden to the orders of the president. You but, would think. But no, clearly well, not. They, they take their orders from, I'll tell you. No, I can't. It's a secret. <laughs> it is a secret. Well, now, this really does change the game, though, because when you think, oh, those large men with their guns who are constantly around this, you know, supposed leader of the free world... They're on his side. They do what he says. When you suddenly realize, no, they're taking orders from someone else, it's like, oh, well, then that's not really the president now, is it? Like, clearly, I mean, if I, if you ever see yeah. me surrounded by a bunch of armed men and I can't tell them to go away, then I'm kind of not responsible for what I'm saying. What would think so? Anyway, we're going to talk about now about the five stages of totalitarianism. So tell us more about that, Captain. Uh, this from Mises Wire. Uh, yeah, everybody loves the list. Absolutely. And this crossed my purview not too long ago, and I thought it was worth reviewing for certain. Uh, fears of a growing totalitarian tendency in the U.S. have swelled during 2020 to 2022. Well, that's because totalitarianism itself swelled between 2020 and 2022. So how close are we really to a totalitarian state? I don't actually know the definition of totalitarianism when it's referred to, you know, these totalitarianism states. I mean, I, I, I'm looking it up, but I just generally think like to totalitarianism mic, is to authoritarianism what anarchy is to libertarianism. Okay. Like when you've reached the totality of all power being in the authority and none of it being vested anywhere else. I suspect it's going to be like fascism and that there isn't a universally agreed upon definition. Mm, right, right. Uh, so, uh, how have such regimes come about historically, and what are the warning signs? This article will answer these questions by examining the totalitarian regimes in the 18th and 20th centuries and the patterns in which they came to power. So, stage one, apparently. Well, I mean, didn't Hayek already do this in The Road to Serfdom? Isn't that exactly what The Road to Serfdom is about? It's about the road the rise to serfdom of is the is the pillars of what a state is versus. No, it's about the rise of totalitarianism and you know central planners coming along and promising to solve all of the people's problems, and then of course everything just gets worse. I think this is more like a uh, if you're a spectator just sort of watching the world, like okay. what what are the signs that you know a, a government has advanced into totalitarianism? Okay. Uh, stage one apparently is discontent and rumblings. Now uh, I know. I'm discontent. I don't know about y'all. Rumble as uh, loudly as I can. We certainly try to rumble, at least here on Free Talk Live. Well, I'm like four months away from a federal trial, so I am discontent. Yes, yes and, I think and you've rumbled. Uh, every new order rises on the ruins of the old. Those who would establish a new regime must tap into or generate dissatisfaction with the status quo. However much of those desiring a reset may despise the old order, they can't accomplish much without harnessing or fabricating a similar attitude in the public. Then the revolutionary totalitarian appears as the solution to these problems. Okay, so yeah, it is basically along the same thing. People are unhappy, so you got this guy come along who says, I can solve all of your problems if you just elect me to office. Oh, and uh, just to... Uh, so there is a little bit of slipperiness with the definition. Uh, one of the more technical things is that you don't have multiple political parties, which I look at that and I'm like, uh, I mean, technically the Democrats and Republicans are different, but they've been so long on the exact same agenda. Do we have no difference in our political parties? 
I would suggest. I mean, it's like uh, Ice T said, right? They're they're two wings on the same bird. Right. To Bingo. me, they're identical. Yeah, and if they always act in concert with each other, in what sense are they really different parties? Right. So as but far I, as that goes, I think we have totalitarianism. But I like that definition because it points out that Ukraine, you know, the, the hero of the left, you know, is the democracy. Their totalitarianism. Yes. Because um, blue and gold. Zelensky recently abolished and banned and outlawed the party that was competing with him. I yeah. think he had the, the, the politician who was directly competing with him arrested. I'm not yeah. 100% sure about that, but, but I do know... a big red flag to, well, just about everyone. Yeah. Right? Like, uh, no, we're just going to stick with the one party that we have. We're not allowing more parties. Yeah, Don't you know, know it's important to stand with totalitarian Nazis? I mean, Ukraine? They, that's another thing. I, I love it when you know when people come out. They're like, you know, I support Ukraine, or I'm like, oh, okay, okay. How long have you been a Nazi sympathizer? <laughs> nice. They hate that, Accurate. but but it's true, right? It is. <laughs> All the evidence suggests that you know there are Nazis fighting for Ukraine's administration. I mean, and, that's indeed. indisputable. And, and they're not like some tiny little secret little, oh, well, there's like five of them over here. No, they're a significant part of the political machinery in that country. It appears they have at least an entire division. And it, I think they formed initially as out, outside of the Ukrainian army, sort of like as a militia. But then they were incorporated into the official Ukrainian army. So, yes, for those who have forgotten, Ukraine has a literal Nazi division. They, they have all of these symbols, all of these all of the swastikas. They have it all, right? They are outright Nazis. Yeah, that amazed me. It's like... How hard was it for you to incorporate Nazis into your army? Because it looks like not that difficult. That's true. Like, if there was an open Nazi division in the United States, they would struggle to some degree. Like, open Nazis. Like, a lot of them are secretly Nazis. But, you know, if they were open about it, it would be a struggle to incorporate that into the same military branch that allows gay people and trans people. Well, it doesn't allow trans people anymore, but gay people and, you know, people of color. Wait, you're saying closet Nazis? Yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right. I mean, they, they, there have been uh, studies about this. There was a Nazi, Satanist, gay thing. I don't remember ex- the exact details, but Ian and I talked about it here like two years ago at ForkFest. Yeah, the leadership of the Nazi party did not do what they, what they told everyone in Germany they were doing. Certainly not. So what is the second stage of totalitarianism? Well, stage two appears to be the false savior and the first revolution. After identifying and appealing to the people's discontent, the totalitarian presents himself as a savior. In stage two, the revolutionary totalitarian enacts a dramatic change to solve the problem and the discontent from stage one. Right. So we see this all the time with politicians. Oh, I'm going to raise a tax over here. We're going to put that money towards this thing, and it'll end it. We'll have solved the problem. But, I mean, obviously it never solves the problem. It just but they, exacerbates other problems. They take advantage. We will end terrorism by making sure you have no rights. And also by using terrorism for you to fund our cockamamie scheme. More or less. So it, this does sound, again, very similar to the Rose of Sartre, which it is probably 10 or 15 years since I actually read it. But it, 
it's breaking that down and reducing it to a five-step article that you know is available for mass digestion because it was kind of hard to find a copy of The Road to Serfdom 10 or 15 years ago. There is a cartoon version of it that I believe you can still find online, and it's entertaining, and I would definitely recommend ch- checking it out. I'll see if I can find it during the break here, but this is what we're talking about, the five stages of totalitarianism, how people come along promising to be saviors. They're going to solve all of your problems. They're going to solve the pandemic, the economic crises, all of these other things. There is more coming up. It is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live's video archives have been on Library for years. Library is an uncensorable, decentralized, blockchain-based media sharing protocol, and we're big fans of it here on Free Talk Live. In 2020, Library launched Odyssey, a video sharing website to compete with YouTube, and it's really taking off, now with over 1 million channels, many of whom are disaffected YouTube creators. During YouTube's crackdown for not towing the government line on COVID, the Free Talk Live YouTube channel started receiving strikes and could be completely taken down at any moment. Thankfully, Odyssey started offering live streaming, so we're now streaming live every night and posting our video archives permanently to Odyssey. You can watch live or anytime on our Odyssey channel by visiting video.freetalklive.com. If you want to go all in, download the desktop app at lbry.com, and then every video archive you watch, you'll help seed and keep it online forever. At minimum, we ask you visit video.freetalklive.com and follow us on Odyssey today. Video.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live from Rogers Campground in the beautiful White Mountain Seventy Hampshire. I want to tell you about Truthsmacks.com. If you like, if you like snack foods, that's what you should check out. That's Truthsmacks.com. Everything there is raw, unadulterated ingredients. Food as nature intended. None of this overly processed crap. It's made in a commercial kitchen down in Naples, Florida. And Susan was with us here on the show recently to actually talk about it. So if you want, you can go back and listen to that episode. But it's really popular at the studio there in Keene. I'm not much of a snack person. Like, I prefer to just eat meals and to not eat at all if I'm not, you know, prepared to eat a meal. But a lot of people snack. And I think, you know, trail mix is a really good way of achieving that without being unhealthy. It's a lot better than a bag of chips or a can of Pringles or a candy bar or something. By a long shot. So check them out at truthsmacks.com. Every bag has a number of truth quotes on the back to help smack your friends and family in the face with the (laughs) truth. In a loving way, that's truthsmacks.com if you'd like to check it out. One more time, that's truthsmacks.com. Arya with Peakless and Captain here talking about the, the five signs of totalitarianism, or the five stages, stages yes. of totalitarianism, rather. That's, that's the conditions in which, you know, people always wonder, what allowed the people of Germany... What caused the people of Germany to allow the rise of someone like Adolf Hitler, right? Yeah. Shouldn't it have been plain and obvious to them that this person was evil? Well, it's, it wasn't a moral failing of the people of Germany that allowed this to happen. And that, that's the critical wow. point of the road to surface. It's easy for us to go, wow, how were Germans so evil? I don't know. I kind of think it was a moral failing of the people of Germany. It, like, well, like they if, were if they'd, have, if they'd have realized what was going on, they would have made different choices. What well, so they say? That's it. I mean, they were duped by the the central planner. That's yeah. what the road to serfdom is entirely about. It's a really it's good. It's not book. a unique moral failing. Is really the difference. Though, okay, is that this kind of absolute destruction of 
civilization in in the the best sense of that term is entirely possible today with the with the people around you now well and it already is it's not even just possible it's actually happening every day that we're alive so long as people continue to believe the hallucination in their mind that is statism that is that you know this set of people has authority over you and all your friends but every now and again, you can sort of lobby them to get your way. Well, just remember to the extent that unvaccinated people and people who didn't wear masks or whatever were dehumanized by the public. Because that's right. how it all begins. You know, yep. totalitarianism, it needs a scapegoat to blame in order to you know foster its rise. Yeah, and- literally the only difference was the Jews of Germany were considered to be the disease, whereas we are considered to have the disease. Literally the only difference. And the, by the same mechanisms, they took away all of their human rights and dehumanized and destroyed them, and that's exactly what they're doing here. It's well, it didn't go nearly that fun. far here. It, yeah, no, it did not for, yet. It did for some Give people. time. Like the ones who lived in New York City and stuff like that who have to, you know, get groceries from a local bodega or something like that because they, they don't even have enough space in their apartment to, you know, do a bunch of grocery shopping or whatever. And suddenly they literally couldn't buy food. Mm-hmm. That was rare and it was, you know, probably unique to New York City, but it did happen to people. People were literally unable to buy any food at all. Fact. Because of the restrictions in New York City. Well, and any time the government does one of these things where they position themselves as the savior, we are the only organization that has the power and bandwidth to come in and solve this problem, which we also created, by the way. But we will come in and we will attempt to solve this problem. Don't worry now bow down and worship us. More or less, yeah. And it never works out well for the people. They're, that scapegoat in particular is all like... The, the farmers, the greedy farmers under Stalinism, the 25 million farmers who I've were never murdered. met a farmer. I've never yeah. met a greedy farmer. <laughs> well, I mean, everyone wants to be, you know, wealthy and successful and stuff, Well, yeah, right? but I mean, I've never met one that's like, I am only doing this for the money. No, I mean, there's not a whole lot of money in it, right? Unless you're Monsanto or Tyson or one of these other major corporations. So then you're not a farmer. You mean Bill Gates isn't the farmerest farmer that ever farmered? They're he has still more farming. Of the land. They just do it in an industrialized, immoral way that you know is rife with intellectual property I, I and think, other immorality. If you talk to you know actual farmers, you would find that they don't consider those things to be farming. Well, I mean that, that's their opinion. Yeah. My, not one that I necessarily agree with. That's like saying that you're not a real musician unless you get out there with an acoustic guitar, right? Playing around a campfire oh, instead of... Okay. Anybody who makes a noise on purpose through time is a musician. Certainly. And I would argue that anyone who's purposely coordinating the growth of food is a farmer. That's literally what it means to farm. Okay. Well, hold on. So if someone sets up an AI to uh, compose for them, are they a musician? They're not making noise. The AI is, or the AI is composing the the. Well, I'm not making sheets. noise. My guitar is uh, the 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 whole the linchpin of the definition of music is that it's intentional. Right, you're making sound over time that is intentional. Right, doesn't matter if that sound is in tune. Doesn't matter if it's played on a musical instrument. Doesn't matter. You're doing it intentionally over time, and that is called music. Mm, that's also called speech. Okay. Well, no, I mean, those well, are Well, people would things. argue that, you know, uh, slam poetry and stuff like that is music. Yeah. So, there are, there are 
There are plenty of people who would make the de- case that you know that that is a form of that speech is okay. a form of music. There's acapella so, singers and all of that. What's the difference between so, someone giving a speech and an acapella singer? Except that the acapella singer tries to maintain pitches and rhythm and stuff like that. But right, it's, exactly, it's pitches still just, and rhythm and stuff like that. So you're you're layering in uh, complex interactions between parts of what you're doing in a different way than prose. Well, I mean, iambic pentameter was really big among the Greeks and their and their plays. Like Shakespeare loved it, right? They they were speaking with the rhythm, but we wouldn't call that music. So, was, and I could bang on the table here at a certain rhythm, and we wouldn't really call that music. It would, I think, by definition, be music. But I would also argue that iambic pentameter would be music, and that us sitting around talking fits within the definition of music as well. Well, I would say that you banging on the table, if it has a pattern to it then that counts as music. And if it doesn't have any discernible pattern to it, then it's not really music. Well, that's, everything has a discernible pattern. That's, that's like actually English. not true. That, a, a non-discernible pattern, if the sounds are made on purpose over time, is still music. I mean, speech has discernible patterns, right? If you listen to me long enough, you're going to find discernible patterns in the way that I speak. Right. So I, I don't think that's enough. I think that's necessary but not sufficient for qualifying music because there are plenty of sounds you can make intentionally over time yeah. that aren't musical. In your opinion, but be. I mean, within the definition of what is music, they are music. Okay, well, subjectively, they are not musical to me. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't consider you know pop music to be musical to me. It is literally music, but I was, like, hey, it's not impressive. I don't want to listen to it. To me, it's garbage. But you know, it it fits. It's like the 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 picture of the soup can or whatever. Yes, that's literally art. It's crap in my opinion, but it is literally yes. art. Yes. Uh, stage three. Uh, this is the the stages of totalitarianism. <laughs> I don't know how we got into that. Segway but. whiplash. Yes, yes, that's right. Sorry. Should have warned you guys. You don't make me pull this. What is stage three? Over. Stage three: censorship, persecution, propaganda, and the ending of opposition. Well, we've certainly been seeing plenty of censorship here in the United States, where you're not allowed to speak outside of the COVID nineteen pandemic narrative, and we experienced that hardcore here on Free Talk Live. Where just every few weeks we were being suspended from YouTube to the extent that at some point we just stopped streaming to YouTube because one more strike and we were going to de- get deleted. Certainly the censorship, certainly the persecution. Yep. You know, the Crypto6.com, if you don't know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Well, that was unrelated to COVID-19, though. And, you know, the the most the best example of totalitarianism that I think we've seen was COVID-19. I, I would say that the Crypto6 thing is a stronger display of fascism, which is, you know, the, the government, they want to eliminate local Bitcoins. They want to eliminate local sellers. They want to destroy the peer-to-peer nature. They want to eliminate people speaking out loud, well, it's telling more than the that. truth that it's, is contrary to their narrative. They want to eliminate the peer-to-peer nature of Bitcoin, and they want to centralize yeah. into the heads of like Coinbase and Kraken and Binance, because all of those people will play ball and have proven they will play ball with the American government. It's a way of them uh, controlling the entire cryptocurrency world without having to have U.S. bank dot coin or whatever instead they just control the the corporations that control the cryptocurrency world we're going to get back into the stages of authoritarianism though because we haven't even talked about stage three here (laughs) there's more coming up it is free talk live
It is Free Talk Live, and I want to tell you about Freedom Fest coming up July the 15th through the 17th in Las Vegas, Nevada. There will be a number of speakers there like uh, Glenn Beck, uh, Mark Edge of Free Talk Live, a number of others. I don't have the full list pull up in front of me, but you can get $50 off. If you go to checkout and use code FTL50, that's that's about 10% off, realistically. If you're going for the full conference, FTL50 gets you $50 off. So head on over to FreedomFest.com. There, it's going to be an awesome event. I I love the idea of Freedom Fest. It, it is a little bit more like conservative than like the Porcupine Freedom Festival. Mm, I see. But, so it's a very different crowd, but it's still a lot of liberty-loving people. I haven't looked to see whether or not like Anarcho-Vegas and Crypto-Vegas are it, going on. Is it more like a convention than like camping? It's closer to um, Liberty Forum oh, yes, okay. yeah, than yeah. it is to, to uh, the campground here at the Porcupine Freedom Festival. So check it out. That's FTL50 if you want $50 off your ticket. There's no reason not to go, and it is in the beautiful city of Las Vegas. So check it out. Freedomfest.com if you want to learn more about it. We're talking here about the five stages of authoritarianism. Totalitarianism. Totalitarianism. What is is the difference between authoritarianism and totalitarianism? Let's go to Lee for the answer. (laughs) Well, uh, totalitarianism is when the total amount of power is in one place, whereas you can be an authoritarian and still have parties. Thank I don't you, know if Pete I agree or disagree, here. but like he was arguing with two musicians a minute ago about the definition of music, so uh, I gotta I take to your be claims. one. Thanks a lot. I have to have to take your claim with some grains of salt at this well, point. Well, and I think we can all agree that there is a certain amount of subjectivity in what counts as art, and music is a form of art. I mean, but at any rate. whether or not it's good or bad would be the subjective part, but what a thing is or isn't, not necessarily subjective. Well, like if a tree you is a tree and it's not something subjective. in a way that it includes literally everything, then it's not a very useful word. Well, I mean, tell that to Ian, who defines God as everything and nothing, or well, everything and all that is and all that is not. Yeah, and he doesn't make much use out of that word, does he? Well, other than the fact that he believes in God, which says absolutely nothing. I, you would have to talk to him about it. That's his belief system, and to him it says quite a lot. So I, I would say that something that is everything can still have significant meaning. Well, if you state that's what God is and then that you believe it, then you're not stating anything. You're saying, I believe that, that existence is. That, that was my point of view, right? And that's why I call myself an atheist rather than a panentheist. But mine and Ian's is two different ways. That is two different ways of saying what I believe is essentially the same thing. Hmm. But anyway, we're talking about the <laughs> the five stages of totalitarianism. Stage here. three. Stage three. Yeah, I, I wanted to point out you uh, you were you were saying that those are two different things between the the Bitcoin suppression and the uh, COVID knowledge suppression because we're talking about uh, suppressing information. And the thing is, you have a a government moving in a totalitarian direction, so it is going to do things over here that are along this line. But definitely, you were right about the most obvious and blatant is what they've done with COVID. So what? Is, so stage three. Stage three is censorship, persecution, propaganda, and the ending of opposition. In stage three, the initial upheaval of stage two has passed. The old order has been fundamentally changed, and now various forces begin to react. The rising totalitarian government faces many enemies, often dubbed counter-revolutionaries or extremists. Here in its infancy, the well, new we've order, certainly been called extremists, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> 
Here in its infancy, the new order must struggle to gain more power and maintain that which has been acquired. For this reason, it sets about combating its enemies through censorship and persecution. As soon as they had gained sway over the over their countries, the first move of totalitarians like Hitler and Vladimir Lenin was to censor opposition and put out propaganda. We see that everywhere in the United States. Certainly. And everywhere in, we'll call them, quote-unquote, westernized countries, right? Mm-hmm. If your country qualifies as this, uh, you are seeing propaganda on a daily basis from right. your governments uh, conditioning you to act uh, according to their desires instead of your own. You're being programmed by them for a specific outcome. And it's most extreme, I think, well, the, the elimination of the opposition. I mean, we've literally seen that in Ukraine. And pe- people, don't, people still continue to say that, you know, it's this bastion of democracy or whatever. And it's a result of the war against Russia. That war is probably going to be expanding at some point. It's not going away anytime soon. And it's only getting more and more catastrophic over there. Apparently, yeah. a shopping center was struck by two missiles, allegedly they were sent by Russia. It's impossible to know at this point. And I wouldn't put Pat, put it past the totalitarian Zelensky to do it themselves. So oh, yeah. for those for those hellfire missiles that we just sent that the United States just sent over to Ukraine were used to bomb this shopping center. I wouldn't put it past any of them. They want war. And that's exactly what they're getting. And we, the people on the sidelines, we peaceful people were like, hey, can we can we not have a world war right now? Could we maybe stop flirting with nuclear annihilation of the species? Just just for a little while. It does seem to be their favorite pastime. It really does. Well, each of the totalitarian leaders also gained control of education and had secret police forces to monitor and even kill anyone designated as an enemy. Well, we don't have secret police forces yet. Oh, yes, we do. Yes, we do. So many alphabet agencies. Would you like me to? They're not secret, though. I mean, they're literally operating within their organization. They 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 have secrets. I mean, mean, people have secrets, yeah, but that's fundamentally different from having like a secret police force. Depending on how you define a secret or a secret police, you don't know because, like, okay, uh, Okay, the NSA, the NSA, no such agency for a really long time. uh, It was denied that this agency existed at all until it comes out that officially, yes, there is such a thing as the national security. uh, Okay, how many of these do we have? Well, we literally cannot possibly know that. And you know, if they have one. Yeah. We know for a fact that we've gone through at least one or two of these points where, yeah, okay, the CIA is real. But the gaining control of education part, I mean, this has been done seemingly around the world. Mm. There's no part of planet Earth that isn't claimed by a government, and I'm pretty sure, and that's like 200 governments, somewhere around that number, and I'm pretty sure that each of those governments has a public school. And a requirement to attend. Well, some of them don't, right? Like, like the ones in Africa and stuff like that, they're just not centralized to that degree. Yeah. Like, I, I think Uganda is one of the ones that doesn't have a department of education or whatever. But certainly in the Western world and in the Eastern world, those are two very big things. Like, here in the United States, it's obvious that the U.S. government controls the education system. There is literally a department of education. Yep. 
and it does what it wants to do. It's unelected. It's unaccountable. And, and they have their own tanks. And when they appoint people like you know Janet Yellen to be head of the Department of Education, people are like, oh, God, this is going to be catastrophic. But then Janet get, Yellen gets in there, and it doesn't matter what she actually wants to do. She's powerless to do anything she actually wants to do. And if she tries to do it, the media will just you know crucify her and find some controversy to to rail against her until finally she gets ousted and she can't serve that you know position anymore. She has to retire from public life, which has happened in the past. I don't recall if it happened with Yellen, but she didn't actually achieve anything that you know they said she was going to achieve. Oh God, she's all about homeschooling and stuff like that. And now she's the new head of the Department of Education and absolutely nothing changed because that's the administrative nature of the world we live in. An unaccountable administrative authority rules over us. There's more coming up. It is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live from ForkFest 2022. That's ForkFest 6 in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. I'm still eternally grateful that it has cooled off from that extreme heat that we were dealing with Sunday where it was like 90-something degrees. It was hot enough where I was legitimately considering going swimming. And I, I don't particularly care for swimming. It's It destroys my hair. It destroys my makeup. And I don't really get as much benefit out of it as, you know, I would like. So I generally don't go swimming, but that day, Jesus, it was hot. But then there was some rain, and it's been much more manageable since. It's been almost perfection since. Like, the temperature here today is absolutely gorgeous. I want to say thank you to Alex G. Knopp, who is tonight's amplifier. That means, again, that Alex is a member of the AMPS program. You can find it at amps.freetalklive.com. It stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. So if you value the show and the ideas of liberty, you might want to consider joining the AMPS program, as Alex here has done it. Only takes five dollars per month. That gets you in. That's amps.freetalklive.com. It does come with a number of cool little features, like there's an app only room on the Matrix server. There's an app only group on Facebook. So check it out. Thank you so much, Alex, for your contributions. That's amps.freetalklive.com. With you today, it's Aria, Peakless Mountaineer, and Captain Kickass. And we're, and we're talking about the stages of totalitarianism here. Yes. The, how governments and individuals within governments just take control of people's lives and take control, more control, of how society is going to develop. And they, they always end up steering society right off a cliff because that's what totalitarians do. So tell us more. Is there more to talk about on stage three censorship? Um, well, stage one, just to recap for our listeners who might just be tuning in, stage one was discontent and rumblings. Stage two was the false savior and the first revolution. And then stage three was censorship, persecution, propaganda, and the ending of opposition. Uh, the only thing more to say about stage three is, of course, uh, folks like Hitler and Lenin ended up outlawing all political parties and other views besides their own when coming into power. Totalitarians tend to create a one-party system that often maintains a facade of democracy. And that's what's going to be the case here in the United States, because they're not going to abolish the Democratic Party or the Republican Party. I mean, both of them, they're firmly entrenched. They're not going anywhere. The United States will never be a on-paper one-party system. But realistically... It already is. It already is, yes. And if you're a third party or, you know, 
I think it was Ron Paul who said, I would be happy if we had a second party at this point, right? Right. You're yeah. never going to gain enough traction to actually achieve anything. And it was the recognition of this that caused um, Jason Sorens, I believe it was, to come up with the idea of the Free State Project, which is to take these libertarians. Because he said back, uh, I don't remember the exact year, but I think it was in the 90s or, or the early 2000s, where he was like, look, we just got 2.3% of the vote in the national presidential candidate. Do you see that changing in the next 10 years or 20 years or 30 years or whatever? And no, it hasn't moved at all. That needle hasn't budged. The idea of having, you know, 200,000 libertarians, because libertarians were kind of rare, mm. scattered throughout the United States, voting here and there in miscellaneous elections, accomplishing nothing, yeah. versus moving those libertarians, 20,000 of them, to a single place, a relatively low population state where actual political power can be held. With just the, the, the several thousand people who have already moved as part of the Free State Project, here in New Hampshire, we've got something like 40 free state representatives in the House or libertarian representatives in the House of Representatives here. And it's just been phenomenally successful. But we're still not a second party. I, I would yeah. suggest that in New Hampshire, the free staters are kind of a second party, except they took over, they are taking over the Republican Party. But because of that, there is a difference between the Democrats and Republicans here in New Hampshire. Yeah, I've been told that the free staters are large enough that they actually can hold sway. Uh, they can, if, yeah. If there's like you know need for like a tiebreaker between the Democrats and Republicans or something that like those votes are enough to make a difference one way or another, and that's great. Yeah, yeah, like if you if you had another state where like a whole bunch of Green Party members decided to move in, and they could influence the Democratic Party to like quit being in the pocket of the oil companies in this particular area, then you do see a divergence of parties. Yeah. Then you have more than the mono party. But in the national scale, the Republicans and the Democrats are identical. Look, I don't know how people didn't realize this. Nothing in our lives changed. We went from George W. Bush to Barack Obama. Nothing. Nothing in our lives changed. We went from Barack Obama to Donald Trump. And again, Not nothing changed. We went from Donald Trump to Joe Biden. Well, Everything just carried on exactly as it has been. I don't even know if I'd say nothing changed. I would say that, it, indeed, things got worse. Well, they continue Every time progressing. they switch the puppet in the chair, things don't go our way. Well, that's just the march of you know totalitarianism, right? Nothing really changed. We just proceeded further along the path that we were already going because, as Jeffrey Tucker pointed out, there is this large apparatus, this administrative state, where people are appointed and that there was some law passed in the 80s or something like that that you know gives them basically tenure where the executive authorities cannot fire them from these positions. Right. They become mm -hmm. entrenched. They're lifelong bureaucrats. And it's just like now we live in this scenario that Thomas Paine talked Talked about in Rights of Men, where you know King Louis may have been the most benevolent king that France had ever seen, but it was irrelevant because there wasn't just the one tyrant. There were thousands of tyrannies all around King Louis. All of these little tyrants running around, all in charge of these one particular things. None of them accountable even to King Louis. And the only way to do anything about that in, during the French Revolution was to revolt. Yep. That ultimately went, you know. Pretty, that, that went pretty south for the people in France there because they abandoned the ideas of liberty and stuff like that. But that's what we have here today. It's not Joe Biden oppressing me or anything like that. We could, right. we could swap out Joe Biden tomorrow for Ron Paul and it wouldn't change anything. It wouldn't change the, the thumb of the federal government right. on my neck. They're there for life 
and they cannot be replaced. They cannot be voted out of office because they weren't voted into office. And the people voted into office can't replace them. The only thing we can do is repeal the administrative state. And Jeffrey Tucker talks more about that. I don't have his website pulled up in front of me, so I don't even know what that is. But look up Jeffrey Tucker, and I'm sure you'll find out exactly this. I think he said he's writing a book on this subject. Well, he's already uh, a known author in the Liberty space, and so he, he does some good work. His past work is really good as well. And I've read many of his articles, so uh, his work is really good. Yeah, when they passed a law that's saying that, okay, well, unless it is explicitly against the law to do it this way, then however uh, the DMV or, you know, whatever department it is, however they've decided to do it, unless it's explicitly illegal, then that's what the law is. And and we're we're stuck. Yeah, and none of those people are elected, none of them are accountable, and now with the flick of a pen, all of those government agencies, all of those three-letter and four-letter agencies can create law Mm -hmm. and precedent and binding legal precedent. And everybody is just like, oh, I guess that's how it goes now. Right. And and they they want we don't have a one party system. We have a I, I would say just we have a no party system. We just have the Leviathan that is the administrative state. Well it's anarcho tyranny, where you have the very worst parts of anarchy and the very worst parts of tyranny at the same time. What parts of anarchy do we have? Well, uh, so if, for example, uh, you wanted to be protected by, like, you know, an authoritarian police force when they're burning down your homes and shops some tyrannies will provide that protection if only to remind everyone who the biggest gang is. I, I understand it, but how is anything that we have in, in society today representative of a situation without rulers, which is what anarchy is? Well, in theory, your rulers stay in power by providing a certain amount of service with their oppression. So that we have un- unaccountable rulers isn't representative of anarchy, though. Right. Well, in anarchy, you wouldn't have the, uh, the police force uh, enforcing these diktats. And as it turns out, we don't have them enforcing any of these rules when we want them to. I'm of the opinion that even if they were enforcing rules when we wanted them to, that still wouldn't be anarchy. That, that, that would probably be some sort of accountability, you know, a, a democracy or a constitutional republic or something. But anarchy is without rulers. So there would, no, there would be no rulers to make these decrees and no police to enforce them. Well, and one of the things that a lot of people find attractive about uh, uh, dictatorships is having set laws. Yes, they do like it when they're allowed to tell other people what they can and can't do. There is more coming up here. It is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live from Rogers Campground in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. The sun is out. It's a beautiful day. you got to come hang out with us. Check out ForkFest.Party if you want to learn more about that. We are on site, which means we're not streaming live to any video platforms. Now, last year, and I, yeah, last year was the first year we did it this way. We had, like, little pictures of people who were here at the show, and we would, like, set up the camera to just live stream the, the, the empty chair with the picture of the person. This year, we're not doing that. We're not streaming anything to the video platforms, and it's an interesting experiment to see what the results of that are going to be. I felt bad for the YouTube trolls who, like, live, mm. from what I can tell, to... Talk S about Free Talk Live on YouTube because that's what they, as soon as we start broadcasting, they come to complain. It's like the, their it's daily clockwork. highlight, right? Yep. 
But, you know, we are constantly getting censored, as we talked about uh, earlier in stage three of the rise of totalitarianism. Censorship, we have to deal with that at Free Talk Live. That's why we created our own social media server. That's why we created our own chat server. We got kicked off of Discord. We've been kicked off of countless other social media platforms. We've been kicked off YouTube repeatedly. Well, not completely kicked off, but suspended. And that sent us to Odyssey. You can find our channel there at video.freetalklive.com. That'll take you directly to it. Odyssey doesn't censor that heavily. They do have the ability because Odyssey is centralized. But underpinning it is library, where we cannot be censored. No one can censor the library protocol. And Odyssey is sort of a a web-based front to that. So check it out, video.freetalklive.com. There's more than a million other YouTube creators who have just gotten sick and tired of having to watch what they say on YouTube, and they've joined. That's video.freetalklive.com. So instead of recapping stage three of censorship, let's go straight into stage four. I I just wanted to make one quick comment on stage three. So uh, they talk about a secret police. Mm -hmm. And in our world, the most powerful secret police are completely invisible. And it's the algorithms that won't let you speak up about these things and will automatically remove your videos from YouTube and things like that. Interesting. Uh, Stage four, of course, we're all very familiar with this one several times over. The crisis. Oh, certainly. I mean, that was COVID-19, right? It was the ultimate crisis for them. All of these things were already in place. The censorship apparatus that was already in place. That came about in like the 2016 era and the rise of what they called fake news, right? Where they could just say, oh, that's fake news. And there was actual propaganda back then. There was a website that was created back then that just compiled a list of, quote, untrustworthy right-wing sites like PrisonPlanet.tv. That's Alex Jones's website. And a number of others, some of which were pretty innocuous. And it painted all of them as, you know, just spouting falsehoods. You know, these people cannot be trusted. So all of these, all of these things existed prior to COVID-19. It just escalated during COVID-19. Like Alex Jones, for example, he was kicked off Facebook long before COVID-19. And we said then, you know, all right, first you kick off Alex Jones, then you kick off Free Talk Live. And sure enough, they kicked off Alex Jones and a few years later, there was Free Talk Live. It it brings me back to the the term, the Hegelian dialectic, right? Problem, reaction, solution. Yeah. Government never lets a good crisis go to waste. They never. certainly don't. When they when there is a crisis, they take advantage of it and they take away more of your rights. And that's just it's a rinse and repeat model. Uh, folks who are old enough to remember nine eleven uh, can certainly detect a pattern uh, now that they've lived through COVID nineteen, and that is the government taking advantage of the crisis, restricting your freedoms, your movements, putting new. Uh, forms of government, new divisions, new alphabet agencies into place as a result of said crisis and getting you to believe that they're the only ones who can solve whatever this problem is, which they, of course, created themselves in the first place. I mean, terrorism was absolutely caused by the American government, and they did use 9-11 as an excuse to create, you know, all sorts of new government agencies like the TSA and, you know, nonsense like that, none of which did anything to decrease the amount of terrorism in the world today, or at least in the United States today. Yeah, yeah I remember. Guess how many uh, terrorists the TSA has caught? Huh. Zero. Uh. Still, to this day. Mm. I mean, there's countless reports of like people sneaking, you know. Let's give them another 20 years, shall we? But yeah, there is a separate TSA agency, or I mean, they're part of the TSA. I don't know how the government does it. They're part, some other part of the government, one of the many hands of Vishnu, has <laughs> they regularly test the TSA about, you know, these prohibited substances. I've flown a lot 
uh, since 9-11, obviously I didn't fly any prior to 9-11, but there have been times where like I would have something in my purse that the TSA would throw away. And then I would replace it when I got to where I was going and then fly back. And the other TSA agents down there at this other airport wouldn't throw it away. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it's just that they missed it or if it's individual discretion or whatever, but they're not good at what they do. Nope. On top of that, the TSA think it is openly discriminatory against trans people. Like, that's my biggest issue with it. If you go through their stupid body scanner thing, you are going to get felt up by the TSA if you're trans. There's no way to win this. Yeah, they don't uh, <laughs> They don't say the nickname is touching some ass for nothing. Right. They If you're... If they hit the male button, you're going to fail. Your bra hooks are going to cause you to fail. If they hit the female button, other things are going to cause yep. you to fail. They get detected where, you know, females ordinarily don't have things. I thought that had been fixed uh, because there was rumors that it had been. But the last time I flew, which is back in, you know, a little over a month ago. No. Governments don't fix things. Well, I mean. Turns out things. not competing means you don't have to do your job well at all. With, with the social pressure that is put forward by the trans community, I would expect, you know, something that is openly, you know, discriminatory, I guess, and I don't think it's that big a deal. You know, I like, you want to pat me down? If they always ask me, you know, you, you want to you go to a private room for this? I'm, no, 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 no. Let's do this in public. I'll spread my legs. Let's go. Let's let everyone get a good view of what's going on I think here. that's when you bust out your pricing chart. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you go through the, you're not able to hold anything at that particular time. It's yeah. got to be put in that stupid little plastic thing where they send it through and, you know, use x-ray technology yeah. to investigate everything in your purse or whatever. It's all completely stupid. It's security theater. Mm-hmm. And that's what government does with the crisis. They security take advantage theater. of it. Uh, they they you know, engage in theatrical productions to allow you to believe that they are the answer and the only answer. Uh, They're not even a good answer, though. Like, that, that, that didn't do anything. What, what would have helped 9-11 not happen? We, I don't know. Locking the door to the, that, to the cockpit? That might have been a good solution. They can't hijack the plane if they can't get into the cockpit. Yeah. The thing I remember about uh, when 9-11 happened and, like, the USA Patriot Act came through, and I'm like, yep. oh, crap, they are coming for us. And, they and then they didn't. Like well, for for a good solid twenty years, like they have all of these powers that they could use to target their own citizens, but they just kind of didn't. Well, but they sold it to you on a on a temporary basis, right? right? And we all know, at least libertarians, voluntarists, people who've you know sort of looked at government and seen it for what it is, mm-hmm. they all know that there's nothing so permanent as a temporary government mm-hmm. program. But that's how they sold it to you. The Patriot Act was, well, we're just going to put this in place for a couple of months. Oh, yeah. It's only a couple Temporary. You know, just like they did with COVID, right? Oh, we need you to lock down for two weeks. It's just 14 days to stop the spread, to stop yeah. the curve. But right? they had to wait until the next major crisis to actually start implementing all of these things against their own citizens. Well, and with the Patriot Act, they just said every time it was up for expiration, they're like, oh, we'll renew that. And then mm-hmm. the last time they did, they're like, oh, we'll just renew it in perpetuity. Did you know that we don't have a standing army? There, nope, no, no standing army. That would be unconstitutional. You're only allowed to have a temporary army for one year. Right, yeah, that automatically renews each and every year. It, it's not automatic. No, There's they, someone they who, who actually signs it. <laughs> they, they sit around going, yes, we want to renew this. Mm-hmm. The Patriot Act didn't worry me. A whole, I mean, 
I knew it was bad, right? I was really young then, so I, you know, I knew, oh, God, that's probably not good, right? But, you yeah. know, I was raised around Republicans, so I bought into their nonsense. Oh, yeah, this is necessary for the good of the country, right? I wasn't as much of an independent thinker then. I was, but I, you know, had it completely broken away from sure. the shackles of these circumstances. It takes time, man. What really got me, though, was the FEMA Act. That's the one that got me because that was the authorization that allows the federal government to declare an emergency and begin rounding up American citizens against their will, yep. taking away their guns directly, imprisoning them whether they like it or not. That was the FEMA Act. That's why they call these mm-hmm. these alleged prison camps getting set up around the United States, and they've turned Walmart into some abandoned Walmart into these. Yeah. That's why they call them FEMA camps because it was the FEMA Act that authorized that sort of nonsense. And and when they they when COVID nineteen or COVID twenty two or whatever hits, and they're like, oh no, this is the real one. We got to round people up and we got to isolate them and throw them in prison camps or yeah. FEMA camps. It will be the FEMA Act that allows them to do that. So the uh, uh, the parallels here uh, just. For those who can't draw them, uh, are that during 9/11, FEMA was the government agency with which they usurped your rights, and during COVID, the CDC was the government organization, government-run organization that also usurped your rights. Yeah, and as a result of all, of, none of those rights ever came back. Sadly. And they're not going to come back unless we demand them to come back and unless we're willing to actually stand up and fight for our rights. There is more coming up. It is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live from Fork Fest 2022 here in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. You can come down and hang out with us. Fork Fest is a much more low-key event than the Porcupine Freedom Festival. So check it out, ForkFest.party. With you in the, with you in our remote studio today, it's Aria. Pickless Mountaineer. And Captain Kickass. And we're talking about the five stages of totalitarianism here. And the last one that we've been talking about is stage four. The crisis. The crisis. That's where some catastrophic event happens, or some seemingly catastrophic events, or numerous. Like, uh, in the the UK, they're calling it the, or in the European Union, they're calling it the perma-crisis. Right. The world in which we're in now. We're just perpetually in crisis. I would argue that if you're perpetually in crisis, you're not in crisis at all. Well, Hitler used a state of emergency to justify his clampdown on February 27th, 1933. The Reichstag went up in flames in response Hermann Göring, Minister of the Interior, ordered a raid on communist headquarters, allegedly for evidence of sedition and a communist plot to attack public buildings. And this is why I love the the quote documentary Zeitgeist, right? Because it has so much good information in it, but they they state as though it's scientific uh, historical fact that the Nazis themselves burned down the Reichstag building, and you know it was a false flag to justify blaming the not raiding the communist headquarters and all that there's some evidence to suggest that certainly but yeah. it's not the airtight argument like zeitgeist states it is fact 
And sure, I wouldn't put it past them. It sounds like something they would do, mm-hmm. but it's just speculation to suggest that. Well, and one thing that they do point out is that that is the pattern. So remember the main. Does everyone remember the main? I remember the main. Was that the World War One ship that was sunk? That, uh, so the main, the Lusitania, like one thing after another, where it was all. None of these were straightforward reasons to go to war, but boy, that is what happened. Well, this particular crisis in Hitler's mind was the signal for seizing complete control. On February 28th, the cabinet abolished freedom of speech, assembly, privacy, and the press. Around That's very similar to what happened here in regard to co- the freedom of assembly was abolished during COVID-19. Yes. Your right to assemble in crowds of greater than 10, like yeah. here in New Hampshire, yeah. was abolished. Your freedom of religion, gone. Yep. You couldn't go to church in some states. I think New Hampshire was one of the ones where you couldn't go to church. We did go to church here in Keene. I went to church for the first time in like two decades right. because the government told me I couldn't. Right. <laughs> and I mean, we, we also protested the, the you can't hang out in crowds of more than 10 on the day on the night the very moment the governor's orders went into action there in Kane, there we were openly in central square rebuking those orders and standing our ground and yep. you know our right to assembly was never taken away as a result of the COVID-19 lockdowns by Governor Sununu but that was just the, the 15 of us or so however many there were there in Keene yeah. for everyone else who isn't willing to stand up for their rights they just lost those rights the right to assembly the right to go to religion all of that just went away because they weren't willing to stand up and fight for it but what we proved is that if you are willing to stand up and fight for it like the Jews in New York who carried right. on with their huge funerals and all this stuff they didn't lock down they didn't Listen. There was uh, some. Uh, there was one church. I can't remember their their name, but in Canada of all places, where they enacted all of the same lockdown sorts of things, and they defied those orders and held their church services anyway. So there were a few, you know, lanterns of, of freedom, you know, that were saying, "Hey, this is not cool, and uh, we're going to exercise our rights, whether you like it or not." That's what it takes. I mean, you, you, the government doesn't want to acknowledge your rights, right? It's just not what they want to do. They want to control you. They want to tyrannize you. They want to violate your rights. And anyone who's seen the effort that they put into taking complete control of our education and of the media, you have to remember how obvious it is that what we believe matters this much. The reason that they didn't enact every possible thing against terrorists, against the domestic population after 9-11, is that the people weren't quite willing to put up with that. So it took a whole nother crisis before they start using those laws against their own population. And the fact that we reached a point where, okay, no, at this point, this many people will absolutely refuse what you're giving us is why they finally stop and back off two inches and wait for the next crisis. But government has never... Humanity has never created a weapon that it did not use. And governments never gave themselves authority that they did not use. That's important to remember. They may not abuse that power today. You know, whatever legislation it is they're passing at the moment. But give them 10 or 15 years. They're writing it for a reason. They're playing the long game. Long enough for our outrage, for the libertarian outrage outrage about the FEMA camps and 9-11 and the Patriot Act. Long enough for our outrage to just dissipate and be forgotten about. Then they come out like all those things that libertarians and said 20 years ago oh crap that's coming to pass but it always gets determined by how much people put up with if they say no i won't comply to this well then that's where the line is but uh, evidently i mean they'll they'll comply with a lot 
So that's that's the crisis stage. And when they're afraid, they'll comply with even more. That's what COVID-19 oh, yeah. taught me. Even among libertarians here in New Hampshire, free staters, so terrified of COVID-19 that the principles of liberty and non-aggression were just thrown out the window. Suddenly, oh, no, no, we need a government, and it's fine if they want to force people to get these vaccines. People I know and have respected for years yeah. suddenly Full, indistinguishable from full-blown statists. Mm-hmm. And, and when these crises happen is when you can either choose to grow the hell up and run your own life, or you can listen to this so-called authority who tells you how they want your life run, and you'd better do it or else. It just shows you how good they are at using fear as a motivator. Yeah. They're very good at it. They trigger hundreds, thousands, millions of people simultaneously with their fear tactics, all you can do as a human being is learn to recognize these particular symptoms, learn to recognize what's happening and when it's happening. Uh, and if you don't, you're going to get what what you saw, which is freedom-loving people who otherwise would be principled acting in a fearsome way. That was by far the saddest thing about COVID-19 is that, you know, these crises, that, that's when it matters for a person to stick to their principles. That's when it's most important. It's easy to be a libertarian when, when everything's fine and dandy rolling around. But yep. when you have a crisis situation and you're like, you got to choose at that point between principle and selling out. A lot of these people chose to just sell out. And that's, that's tragic to me. It makes, it makes it impossible for me to ever trust them again if there's another crisis. Like, okay. Sure, exactly. well, even if they come along, like, you know what, guys? I was wrong. Uh, you know, COVID-19, I've learned, was not that big a deal. We shouldn't have ever tried to be force people to get these vaccines. Even if they were to come along and say that, I wouldn't be able to trust them not to do it again the next time they were afraid. The ones I trusted right. was like, you know what? I am afraid, but... I still respect your rights to not get this vaccine. And those were exceedingly rare, even among libertarians. Yeah, the crisis point is where it stops being a totalitarian tiptoe. Usually it's creeping authoritarianism, and then suddenly you have this opportunity where, like, which do you believe? Do you believe in liberty? Do you believe that people can make their own decisions and that they will be better decisions because people made them or not? So what is stage five? Stage five, We've been, we've been the talking about the stage. five stages of totalitarianism. Stage five is purges, genocide, and total control. Because, I mean, how else is totalitarianism going to end, right? The I would suggest, goal is total control. I, I, I would suggest that's probably stage six or stage seven. I mean, there, there's a huge gap between the crisis. Like, even at the height of the COVID-19. Oh, that very much depends. So if the Reichstag burning uh, and that offering the crisis point had been resisted, if they'd said, well, that's scary, but it's not scary enough to put the National Socialists in charge, well, then they would have had to push that off a little bit longer. I mean, I don't disagree, but to, to suggest that the burning of the Reichstag was the crisis that led to, you know, the Holocaust. No, I, I think there were several other little, little steps between the major crisis and the genocide that came about as a result. Sure, and it seems to be a repeatable pattern if you look at you know governments historically, especially totalitarian ones. Purges genocide and total control. Using the crisis of the fourth stage as an excuse, the totalitarian government now seizes absolute control over the lives of its citizens. The regime overcomes the enemies of stages three and four. It begins brutally enforcing its version of utopia and ideology on the populace. The stage also sees the greatest atrocities committed against the populace because resistance to the totalitarian regime, totalitarian regime 
has been crushed. The people are defenseless and demoralized. Nothing stands between the regime and its victims. This stage involves mass killings as the regime liquidates any remaining enemies. There's more coming up here. It is Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live from Rogers Campground in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. And of course, we are here until July the 3rd. Uh, the fireworks show is on July the 3rd, actually, so that's going to be interesting. I, I suspect some people will be extending their stays through July the 4th so that they don't have to, you know, camp out, I mean, pack up and miss out on the fireworks and all of that. So check it out, ForkFest.Party. We are going to be here until then, so come hang out with us. That's ForkFest.Party. Now, we're going to shift the subject here. I want to talk about something that it was first brought up a number of days ago, but we weren't able to find an article verifying it. We right. just sort of heard it from a libertarian activist here in you know, New Hampshire, and we love talking about New Hampshire things. However, we weren't able to find a new source verifying it. Now we have one. Governor Sununu, Flununu, whatever you want to call him. Snooze new. His Excellency, God King Sununu himself, has signed a bill Barring state enforcement of federal firearms laws. Just in time. So, the big meaning here, and I mean, y'all correct me if I'm wrong, is that New Hampshire is saying, uh, dear federal government, your laws do not pertain to those people who live you know, in the geographic area known as New Hampshire. I mean, that is more or less the case, right? Oh, but it isn't that cut and dry. And that's why the Crypto 6 case is so interesting. I, I can't talk about the case or you know, any of the details and all of that. However, the New Hampshire Banking Commissioner has stated before the, before the New Hampshire State Legislature that, you know, this, this activity that we're accused of is, is not regulated within the state of New Hampshire. Right. So, and, you know, they, they fought a war over this in the past. It was called the Civil War. And it, the result of that was, oh, yes, the federal government is stronger than you, and they will force you to enforce federal laws. The marijuana legalization is interesting, and that's what I want to see. I want to see the federal government fight with the states over marijuana legalization because technically all of those states are violating federal law. Mm-hmm like Colorado, Massachusetts, and they're all getting away with it simply because the federal government has decided it's not worth it to them right. to crack down on these states for it. They still do here and there, yeah. but it's not widespread. And they could at any day in any of these states. In Washington, you mentioned mm-hmm. Colorado, Massachusetts, any of these states where they've sort of legalized and you have recreational marijuana available, the federal government could at any time decide to come in and raid any of those stores or shut them down or all the things that they like to do. And I don't think they would do it because that would put the Tenth Amendment firmly at the top of the list for the liberals who have always hmm. stood against the Tenth Amendment. But right, suddenly you come in and you take their pot away, <laughs> they're going to be upset. And they're going to be like, no, no, states' rights. The federal government just can't come in and say that they would be. They would be arguing for states' rights. It would be nice for New Hampshire, just me selfishly talking, it would be nice for them to catch up to the other states as far as recreational marijuana goes. Uh, even Vermont, uh, I think this October, they're going to have recreational marijuana available. And so New Hampshire is going to be surrounded by states 
where recreational is available, just not in New Hampshire. Didn't New Hampshire recently pass something, this legislative session about marijuana? I know there were like five or six bills related to marijuana legalization, including one possible constitutional amendment. And Governor Sununu has repeatedly vetoed legislation that reached him. However, he's also changed his tune on it this year, saying, essentially signaling that he would change his mind if it reached his desk today. But I, I don't I'll know. believe it when I see it. Yeah, I don't follow the legislative session that closely, even here in New Hampshire. However, he had, that's Governor Sununu, God King Emperor Governor Sununu, who, who writes His Excellency. His self-proclaimed excellency. <laughs> he signed a bill barring state and local law enforcement from enforcing federal firearm statutes, statutes and rules Friday. Handing a victory to firearms rights groups that have bristled at federal gun regulations. Now, I suppose that means that if a gun company here in New Hampshire, and there are gun companies here in New Hampshire, indeed, wanted to, you know, violate federal law for whatever reason, and they sold to a person here in New Hampshire, that would be interesting to watch that play out because they can't. I mean, they should be able to, but the state of New Hampshire, until it secedes, it cannot tell the federal government, hey, no, you can't enforce your laws here. What they're saying is that state troopers and local police departments can't enforce federal laws, which they could have previously. If you get pulled over and you have a silencer and you don't have, you know, your federal paperwork in order, they can enforce that federal law against you. However, now they can't. And that's, you know, one of the few good things that Governor Sununu has done as governor. But it, it's not going to stop the FBI from coming into New Hampshire, unfortunately. I, I wanted- and not a moment too soon because they are trying to pass some really ridiculous gun laws federally. They just passed some federally, if oh, I did recall they, correctly. Did they finally get signed? Yeah, uh, I think, I, I don't have it in front of me, but I'm almost positive that some gun legislation was just signed recently by Joe Biden. It was House Bill 1178. Sununu created a new statute prohibiting any representative of the state or a political division from taking action involving any federal firearms law that is not consistent with state law. The bill prohibits state and local and other states, leftist states, are doing this in regard to abortion now as well. So it's the the 10th Amendment is bubbling its way back up to the surface, whether people want to recognize it or not, whether or not you know the state of Texas is able to pursue people who go to California to get an abortion or something like that. That's a 10th Amendment issue, and it's about to come to a head here in the United States, as well as this, you know, states pushing back against federal firearms enforcement. It's going to be interesting to watch this play out. Yeah. And it's not good timing for the federal government, considering all of the inflation, the supply shortages. To me, this is all the more reason that New Hampshire should have just seceded from the United Wouldn't States. Wouldn't that have been nice? Couldn't agree more. Instead of saying, we're not going to enforce your laws, say, hey, your laws just don't apply to us. We're not, we're not under your thumb anymore. You, you go do your thing, and we're going to do our thing. Let's I mean, break up. And, and, you know, people want to say, oh, you know, it's the 4th of July is coming up, and Independence Day. Well, just remember what that is. That's declaring your independence from a government yes mm-hmm. and that was the that was one of the most interesting hearings uh, speakers that we had at the hearing that day was the the British guy who came up there and said that no New Hampshire shouldn't secede because it didn't have the right it was a it was still a United Kingdom colony right it was still part of the British Empire because it's its original secession from the British
British Empire was not recognized by the British government. Who cares? And that was why they had to fight a war about it. Right, which, but I mean, like... And they still didn't recognize the secession even after they won No, the it war. carried on into the War of 1812, where they fought another war about it. And then they still didn't <laughs> recognize after another war was fought over it. Turns out we still haven't been let go by the UK. So this bill prohibits state and local employees from, quote, using any personnel or financial resources to enforce, administer, or cooperate civil disobedience mm. written into law here in New Hampshire. It's a beautiful thing. It, uh, it forbids them from cooperating with any law, act, rule, order, or regulation of the United States government. In regard to you know firearm enforcement, it does this. They stopped quoting at that point, but that's what we're talking about Hill, here. Stuff like that just brings us closer to actual secession. I, it really does. It's it's like a lightweight version of secession, yeah. right? It, it's, it's but it's clearly a step in that direction. It's a recognition that the federal government is overreaching its bounds. Right. And I gotta tell you, as someone who loves and is devoted to peace, I am really happy to see this because if you don't have this, and then you have the federal government moving into New Hampshire and trying to enforce this, it's going to get a lot bloodier. Absolutely. There is more coming up here about secession and firearms enforcement. It is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live from Rogers Campground in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. And I want to say thank you to Ellen Blanchard, who is yesterday's amplifier. I did not get to that yesterday. I'm sorry about that. That means Ellen is a member of the AMPS program. You can find it at amps.freetalklive.com. Again, that's the best way to support the show if you value the ideas of liberty. You might also want to sign up for our social media server. You can find that at social.freetalklive.com. If you're sick of getting censored on Twitter and Facebook and all these other places, well, join our sister, our social media server where only we can censor you. Yep. And, you know, surprisingly, we do get requests from time to time to censor people. And... Usually, I end up responding to these before Ian happens to see them, and mm. I just click the resolved button, and that just makes it go away from the dashboard or whatever, because I'm not going to actually take any action against it. There's one guy in particular who just regularly gets reported, not by users of our social media server. This is a new thing that Mastodon rolled out, apparently, where someone on server A can report to the admins on server B something okay. that the user on server B is doing rather than one of their users being reported to us or whatever. They're reporting this completely different Mastodon server is reporting our users to us. Okay. I'm and, not part of your network or anything, but you should totally change this for me. Yeah. I mean, and the, the most recent one said Christian slash Nazi. That, that was the reason for the report on this person was that he's, he, he's talking all this Christian stuff and he sounds like a Nazi. And, and I looked and I was like, well, the, the, nothing this person has said is even remotely bad, mm. right? <laughs> there was another one who got promoted for, um, I mean, who got reported to us for child pornography. So I was like, okay, if there's actual child pornography on our server. That's something, that's something to, to actually take care of before we get, you know, federal crimes charged against us. But I looked at, first of all, this user, not even on our server. 
<laughs> Second of all, I mean, we are federated with that server, yeah, and that's right. why it was brought to my attention, I guess. Second of all, not posting child porn. It was posting hentai, which is Japanese, you know, cartoon porn, but it wasn't even porn. It was just, it was distasteful what the person was promoting, and I wouldn't have been promoting it, but there was nothing, it wasn't pornographic, and it certainly wasn't illegal. Why are people wasting my time with this? Yeah. I Not don't care. your network or their network, but I want you to know what they're doing on their network. That yeah, sounds it, like a Karen moment. I just want somebody to take care of this thing that I don't like. It's insane because the whole point of Mastodon, it's not to, I mean, it's like as we talk about here on Free Talk Live, you can have a libertarian society that is fully authoritarian. You can have a libertarian Nazi society as long as everyone can leave that society if they so choose and they voluntarily join. They want to, like we do know people who want to be under a Nazi regime. And you know, and they, they should stay on Facebook. Yeah, and like they, why are these people coming over to our server? That's exactly what I'm getting I at. I mean, there's you have to do a thing to get on our server. Well, they're not on our server. They they have their own server and they're federated, they're connected but, to our server. But why even be involved in Mastodon in the first place? If be you had no problem with all of the censorship, why didn't you just stay there? Because they want to be the ones doing the censoring and Mastodon gives them the authority to do that. We also have a social a, a chat server. You can find that at matrix dot or chat.freetalklive.com or matrix.lri.fm. There's so many URLs. Chat.freetalklive.com though. It's it's very similar to Mastodon and that is federated, it's sort of decentralized. Sure, uh, we're in charge of the Mastodon I mean of the matrix server and we could censor people we just won't right it's very similar to how library can censor people on odyssey they just don't do it i mean you, you got to trust the people at free talk live and whether or not we're going to censor you if you say something we don't like we have a pretty good record at this point of not censoring people but hey you yep. shouldn't trust with us. the exception of the fcc required censoring yes well we, we yes we as a radio program we we have to you know limit the cussing and some descriptive things right because otherwise we get kicked off of radio stations i mean if we have people on here who are cussing we get kicked off of radio stations that limits our ability to reach people with the ideas of liberty and we don't want that yeah. right we so want if to you reach can a larger audience if you can speak about it like an adult yeah uh, no top no topic has been taboo and if you can't speak about it as an adult, just join Freer Talk Live, which is sort of hit or miss these days. We, we really need to have a new episode of Freer Talk Live. I'll, I'll, I'll talk to them about that when I get back into Keen, I guess, because it has, I think the last one was when Conan and I ate the Carolina Reapers, <laughs> and that's been almost eight months, I think, seven or eight months, so... We're overdue for an episode of Free Your Talk Live, but there, if you can't talk like an adult, LRN.FM, we do, or Free Talk Live, we do have internet only shows. Like there was Hippie versus Nazi, where our own Rich Paul debated with Christopher Cantwell, right. who is now a political prisoner by the U.S. federal government for saying mean things on the internet. To Absol another Nazi. Yes, to another Nazi. That was another. Are you? Well, how long have you been a Nazi sympathizer thing? Because there were so many people who are like, well, he needs to be in jail, right? Because he threatened someone. I'm like, yeah, but that person he threatened was another Nazi. You can't have an opinion on the Christopher Cantwell situation, whether he should be in prison or should be free, without literally being a Nazi sympathizer. You're right. on the side of a Nazi one way or the other. My opinion was he should be free. 
the, the Nazi movement, these Nazis that hate each other, they should be allowed to, to destroy say their own things to each other. Well, even well, even better, they should be allowed to destroy their own movement because mm. that's what it was. It was the right. Bull Patrol versus Christopher Cantwell, these two bastions of the American alt right, just ripping each other to shreds and destroying their own movement. I was there for it. I was in these Nazi chats at the time. <laughs> I was loving. It. I was like, yes. People were cheering me on the, the, back with popcorn. the tranny and the Nazi groups, right? Like on my SoundCloud, there's a bunch of my music, and then there's a vocal ret from this very Nazi <laughs> chat where this guy was just flipping out that there was this tranny in the chat room, and no one seemed to be bothered by it, right? It's absolutely glorious because they were too busy fighting between the Bull Patrol and Christopher Cantwell. By put, taking Christopher Cantwell off of the playing field and putting him in prison, the FBI literally aided and abetted the Nazi movement in unifying and ending some of its division. Wait, I'm against Way to go, that. federal government. Right. And they did it for political reasons. He w- Sure, he he's a jerk. I mean, there, there are stronger words I would use to characterize Christopher Cantwell, sure. but I love the dude. I, and I respect the dude's willingness to say what he believes, and I don't believe he belongs in prison for making empty threats that he would never... I've met him. I've been to his house. Yeah, the problem with most of society is that uh, they won't stand up for people they don't like. Right. right. Well, Which is how we keep society, is you go, yeah, I don't like that, but I still need to hear it. I need to hear things I disagree with. Otherwise, you, you cannot have your mind changed, right? If you go into every discussion or every disagreement thinking, I am right and I cannot be persuaded otherwise, you're, you're not intelligent. You're just closed-minded. Yeah. And it could very well be the case that you're one, all of 100% of your beliefs are correct, but you have no way of knowing that until they've been tried in the crucible that is the public forum. And if you don't have that, then you can't stay sharp in the ways that you are correct. Absolutely. And as our own founder of this particular radio program said recently, that freedom of speech exists to protect unpopular speech. Always. Well, plenty of people have said that. I want to credit. Okay, I'm saying he said it recently. He did. Right? And so it's been on my mind since I heard him say that. Ron Paul said it when he was running in 2012. He, I think he characterizes, we don't have the First Amendment to protect our ability to sit on the porch and talk about the weather. We have it to That's protect exactly people right. who say controversial things. Right. right. If it's popular speech, it doesn't need protection. So if you're going to protect speech, there's only one kind of speech that needs it. And that's the, quote, hate speech, realistically, that the people on the left want to outlaw. And, you know, as one of these people that frequently gets hate speech thrown at them, I... I'm not a fan of banning hate speech. If someone wants to say they hate me, they should be free to do that. So I know who to avoid. And it's like, okay, sure, we can sit here and argue whether something is or is not music, but we're not going to shoot each other over how we feel. Certainly. And I I think more people should be able to do that. One of my favorite people is uh, the Breaking Bread Village. You got to check them out. It's all about listening to people that you disagree with because we're always operating. We're coming at things from a position of trying to change the other person's mind instead of listening to their side of things. There is more coming up here, though. It is Free Talk Live.
It's Free Talk Live from Rogers Campground in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. And as we've been talking about, we do run our own social media server. If you want to be free to speak your mind and to not worry about being censored or whatever, I asked someone recently... The, the character limit on our social media server is also 1776, 1,776 characters. I think the hard limit that Matrix allows, I mean, not Matrix, uh, is it Matrix? Mastodon allows is 5,000, and you can set a limit between anywhere from 160, which is what Twitter used to use. It's a standard SMS, by the way. Have you ever run up against the 1776 limit? No, but I recently received a a toot that's the Mastodon equivalent of tweeting from someone that had to have been pretty close to that character limit. It was was (laughs) something about trans people. It was long, and i got to be honest, I did not read it. I said, okay, that's a rant. Moving on with my life. I'm pretty sure that running up against the 1776 limit is what they call revolution. Certainly. So check it out, social.freetalklive.com. That will step you through. There, there are a number of apps that you can use because it is decentralized. Like, if you want to use Twitter, there's only the Twitter app. And I think there is, I think Facebook has Facebook Lite or something to that effect, but it's still run by Facebook. You can't create your own application that is going to access your account on Facebook. You can't do that with Twitter or YouTube or any of these others, but with Mastodon, you can. They can't have you collating data so that you see whatever, whichever posts you wanted to see. Right. They need to tell which posts you're going to see. And as, and as a result of that, I mean, there's no, none of these filtering options exist on our Mastodon server. It's not right. like I can, I can create all of these tags and say, oh, yes, if someone talks about this subject, I want that to appear higher in their you know, their timeline than others. I want to make mm-hmm. sure they see this particular subject or that particular subject. That tool is not even used on our server. What you see when you go to your timeline at social.freetalklive.com, that's the most recent tweets or toots. Right. And there, there probably are ways for us to change that, but we're not going to because that comes too close to censorship and controlling what people can and can't have access to. Right. And we're specifically in the business of not right. doing that. And too many people, that is what they want. They, they don't want you to be able to say something that they disagree with. And to me, that's just, that's an insane of handling the world. If someone disagrees with me, I want them to be able to say it. Let's hash this out. Maybe I'm wrong. They're I being, don't like what you two are talking about. Somebody needs to get clubbed in the head or go to jail. Certainly. I mean, there have been countless times on this show where I was arguing with Mark or arguing with Ian or arguing with someone where they put something in a way that I had just never heard before. And I was like, holy crap, you're right. <laughs> I was wrong. And it's happened live on the air. I would so much rather that the division was like, no, 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 no. Chris Cantwell, you're wrong. But, I mean, that's what Free Talk Live is, right? I mean, every social progress that has been made in humanity or by humanity over the course of humanity's existence, at one point was an unpopular opinion. Very true. Like Even something as, as obvious to us today as the fact that the Earth orbits the sun, that was once an extremely unpopular pr- opinion, and Galileo was put under house arrest by the Catholic Church for speaking that unpopular opinion, even though it was widely, well, it wasn't widely known, but it was known by the enlightened, by the scientifically enlightened, because enlightened is kind of a loaded word. I wish I hadn't used it. But by the scientifically knowledgeable back in, you know, the early BCE era. It sure does make your math easier for tracking where planets are. It certainly does, yes. Except for Venus. 
But Venus is a weird little thing that wasn't really understood until the early 20th century, thanks to Einstein. But anyway, we were talking here about the federal firearms laws. Well, we weren't talking about the federal firearms laws. There were some recent ones passed. We'll probably talk about those tomorrow or at some point in the future. However, New Hampshire has passed a law codifying civil disobedience against the federal government. And that's how I choose to characterize this because that's what it is. It's saying not only should people not obey these firearms laws, but it's forbidding local law enforcement, local you know, agents of the executive branch in New Hampshire from cooperating with the federal government. And that's that's non-cooperation. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's civil disobedience. Yeah, so if your state hasn't moved from, yes, we will pay our people to comply and enforce these laws, and hasn't moved all the way over to not only will we not pay them to do it, they are not allowed to enforce these. And if your state doesn't have something like this, you might want to consider moving. Democrats, of course, had opposed the bill, arguing it would interfere with meaningful enforcement of firearms regulations. Now, look, if someone is doing planning or doing something bad with a firearm, that still falls within violation of the laws of the state of New Hampshire. There's no need for the state of New Hampshire to have the federal government's laws. If it's legal in New Hampshire, as far as I can tell, New Hampshire has the closest tolerable set of laws within the united states it's not tolerable it is tyrannical you know it is a state and it is operating under the you know the geese of the state it uses force and violence to achieve it its seems ends. to be the least bad tyranny it does seem to be so if something is illegal within the state of new hampshire they can still enforce that just fine the new statute will of course prevent new hampshire state police and local law enforcement from cooperating in fbi or bureau of alcohol tobacco and firearms investigations such as the ban on bump stocks. So if the ATF Hmm. or the FBI wants to investigate you for allegedly having a bump stock, now this was something, never mind. The Trump administration's prohibition on devices that allow semi-automatic pistols and firearms to fire continuously, similar to an automatic weapon. And I'm not a fan of bump stocks because I'm not a fan of of, uh, giving away higher accuracy for an enhanced rate of fire. And that's what the bump stock does. To me, the only use for a bump stock, and I'm not a gun fanatic by any means, so yeah. I could absolutely be wrong, but to me, the only use you could get out of a bump stock would be like if you were firing into a crowd of people and you didn't really need accuracy. What if it's that fifth SWAT team coming through the door? That seems like a good time to lose accru- accuracy for a rate of fire. Well... I'm not, I don't want to advocate. <laughs> no, against, I, I'm yeah. not. I'm not asking you that question. I'm just pointing out. Well, there are purposes for rate of fire, uh, mostly sure. when you have a lot of easy to hit targets, right? And there are purposes for accuracy. But in general, as a gun person, I, I think it, accuracy is better than rate of fire under most circumstances. Is that's just my position. And the point of all of this is that you get to pick yeah, which absolutely. you like. Wait, you're a gun person? So you're half person, half gun? <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Weird. Well, that, that's why my re- federal restrictions are so... 50% Glock. That's why my federal restrictions exist, right? Uh, Triggered. Not a lot. Of- <laughs> <laughs> and the statute could prevent cooperation in the enforcement of proposed Biden administration rules and regulations against, quote, GOAT. You know, that's got to be the least woke other kin. What's okay. that? Oh, otherkin is where I'm well, I know what a otherkin fox. is. I understand no, that. If you, if what you is the least woke one? at least half gun. That's got to be like the Gun-person? least woke otherkin. Ah. 
So this would also include the ghost gun bands because those are popular here in New Hampshire. Yeah. These what are they? Eighty five percent or eighty percent? Eighty percent lower, yeah. right? Yeah. Where you just buy this kit that's like eighty percent complete, and you just got to do like one or two things. So you got like drill a hole or something like that. But ghost guns are. They're also millable. Uh, I know last year or the year before here at Fork Fest, there was someone with an actual mill that was capable of creating these things, and it kept breaking down, but they did have it here. There was another guy over here this year. I tried to get them on the show, but every time they were available, I mean, they had other stuff to do during the day, like run their booth, so the timeline never actually worked out. Yeah. But uh, there was a ghost gun sort of thing here at the Porcupine Freedom Festival. Unfortunately, this law does not prevent federal agents from continuing those investigations on their own or making arrests here in New Hampshire. That, that would be the next step along this, this slow path towards secession that New Hampshire is taking by passing this law in the first place. It's, okay, no. Not only can our agents not enforce these laws, but you, the FBI, the ATF, you're not allowed to enforce these laws on New Hampshire citizens. Yeah. That's the next step, and that's a much bigger step, but... And I ran on exactly that platform when I ran for sheriff that, you know, the FBI would be trespassing in Cheshire County under Sheriff Aria Domesco. They're not welcome here. And I will attempt to arrest them. And that's a much harder argument to make because there are a lot of people that still fundamentally believe that the federal government gets to order its states around. Sadly, that is what they think. Firearms rights groups have endorsed the bill, even as some have expressed frustrations that the exemption reduces its impact. And that exemption is the uh, that as long as there is, quote, reasonable suspicion that the person is also committing an unrelated violation in state law, or non-firearms-related violation in federal... Good Lord. So there's some sort of weird, confusing exemption to this where under, under some, some circumstances, they can assist the federal government in this. It's unclear. The exemption is definitely a problem, but the law itself is still fundamentally sound. That's it for tonight's show. Join our social media server. You can find that at social.freetalklive.com if you want to do that. And you can talk to us about this this awesome little step towards the session that's been happening here. That's social.freetalklive.com. Iconic guitarist Eric Clapton's lifelong passion for the blues burns brightly in a new film and soundtrack release entitled Nothing But the Blues. The documentary film, which was nominated for an Emmy Award, has been upgraded to 4K for its long-awaited official Blu-ray and DVD release. The new soundtrack album features all of the music from the 1995 film and also includes more than an hour of previously unreleased live performances, Eric spoke about his lifelong love and respect for the blues. Well, I used to think I could make any kind of music, but the guitar playing would always be blues. You know, if I took a, a solo in, I would always make sure that I could find some place to put the blues in so that I knew, even if nobody else did, that I was still at one foot on the path. What happens to me when I listen to these songs? I go, I go away. <laughs> And, I've, and I like going away. I still like going away to music. And, and these things do it to me better than anything else. 
That's iconic guitarist Eric Clapton, whose long-awaited documentary film and music soundtrack, Nothing But the Blues, will be released on multiple formats on June 24th. Order now at ericclapton.com.